0: Uh, so good to uh, see you. Uh, my name is uh, Toby Ford-Weston. I'm one of the leaders here at Emmanuel. Um, it's so good to be back. Um, I used to host here for a couple of years, um, moved to the morning service, so it's good, so good to see uh, so many uh, friends in the room. Um, we are in the penultimate week of our True Faith Preaching Series. Uh, this is where we've been looking at uh, some of the characteristics of of faith, um, we've also taken the opportunity to uh, look at some of the heroes of the faith. We, we normally would do that by looking at the great men and women in this book, in the Bible. but We thought it appropriate this summer just to look at some of the heroes from more recent history, so we'll continue on in doing that today. Um, the, the subject specifically for our consideration is, can my faith... Make me brave. Can my faith make me brave? So I'm going to pray, then we'll get to work. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus, your son. I thank you, Lord, that he is here. I thank you that he is real. I thank you, Lord, that he is good. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, would you be famous through our time together this evening in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. I'm going to start off by asking you guys a question. The question is this, who here would like to be more brave? Raise your hand if you'd like to be more brave, don't be shy. Raise your hand, okay, I can see that's the majority of us uh, would like to be more brave. That's good, uh, that's good. Bravery is a funny old thing, courage is a funny old thing. Um, turns out humanity is, is fascinated with courage, absolutely fascinated. The movies you've watched in the last year, I bet... That almost every single one deals with the topic of courage. Usually there's a hero or a heroine or a group collective of heroes that are striving for a greater good. And usually the courage in these movies are the, the pinnacle of the movie, they're the best bits. Uh, even anti heroes like Jack Sparrow, anti heroes like Deadpool who don't fit the typical superhero or hero mold, they will inevitably display courage and bravery. There's even a Disney movie called Brave. So we, we as, a, as, a, as a race, we are fascinated with courage. And it's not just the movies we watch, it's also the music that we listen to. Does anyone know what radio stations you listen to? Maybe it's Radio 1, Radio 2, Capital, One Extra, Kiss... Whatever it is, it doesn't take long before you encounter a song that talks about courage. It may be called courage, it may be called bravery, it may be called strength, it may be called even faith. Whatever it's called, ultimately the heart is the same. We're fascinated with it in our music. One such example uh, came last year. Um, For me, it's probably the quintessential song about bravery. Some of you may have heard it. It's called This Is Me. It came from the movie The Greatest Showman. And it talks about uh, bravery. And because I love you, I'm not going to sing it. Oh, you want me to sing it? Go on. Okay, okay. You pulled my arm. Okay, okay. I won't sing all of it, though, mind you. I'll sing the last bit. So the words might come up on the screen. Here we, uh, here we go. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to... Hey. I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be, this is me. Look out, because here I come. (laughs) And I'm dancing to the beat, I drum. I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies, this is me. Thank you. Thank you. Watch out, Simon Brading. So, this is a song about bravery, right? It's a song about courage. It's saying, look, don't be afraid to be you, be who you've made to be, be proud. It's a song about bravery. It's not in isolation. Dua Lipa's New Rules, that's a song about bravery. Three lines, really, when you look at it, it's a song about bravery. Therefore, it's not only the movies we watch, it's also the music we listen to that is fascinated with the topic of courage. And you can say, okay, Toby, well, I'm not so much into movies and I'm not so much into music. Well, you may well be into social media. Instagram, fascinated with. Courage, and on online uh, platforms such as YouTube, people are doing this. That is not why God created humanity. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's not even why God created mousetraps. But the reality is this. You know, you know, YouTube is filled full of that. Filled full of it. Why? It, it's, it's brave. No one can doubt. What he did was brave. I mean, I wouldn't do it. it. And to be sure, it's stupid. But it's brave. People like watching these videos of people doing brave, daft things. Uh, I looked at the analytics on this. And last time I looked, there was 130,000 views. I looked into the YouTube analytics to see who, just who was viewing this video. It said 50,000 of those views came from me because I love it. I watch it morning. I watch it in the evening. I watch it before I go to bed. It actually just makes me laugh. It cracks me up. He's funny. But that's the reality, that humanity is fascinated with courage. So whether it's the movies we watch or the music we listen to or media, we love to express ourselves by showing courage. And you may say, okay, I'm not into all of those things, Toby. I'm just not, I'm not into it. I say, okay, maybe you're into art. This is one of the most famous pictures of all time. It's by Rembrandt. It's called The Night Watch. By Rembrandt, it's called The Night Watch. It should come up in just a moment. And what it depicts is a group of mighty men, a group of brave men who at any time were, were ready and willing and able to defend the city against enemy intruders. It's a picture of valor, it's a picture of bravery. And you might say, okay, Toby, well, that's just one picture. That could be in isolation. Well, if you're like men, you've had the privilege of going to the Louvre, uh, the biggest art gallery in the world. It's in Paris. I do strongly recommend you go. It's an amazing day out. The art gallery, it's, it's filled with pictures of courage. i go so far as to say that the number one category of painting in the Louvre are pictures of courage and bravery. Whether it's pictures of battles, whether it's wars, whether it's heroes, whether it's heroines, whether it's even people that weren't very courageous or weren't very brave but are being depicted as being courageous and brave, there are. It is not an exaggeration to say that there are hundreds of these pictures. So wherever humanity, however humanity wants to express itself, whether it's in movies, music, media, arts. Courage is just right at the center of how we like to express ourselves. But here's a question. Why? Why are we so fascinated with bravery? Why are we so fascinated with courage? Could it be that deep down, in and of our own selves, we know that we're just not very brave. I asked a question at the beginning of the meeting, who here would like to be more brave? Almost every single hand went up. We know that we are seldom brave. But why? Well, to understand that, you need to go back to the beginning. See, in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, the introductory pages to the Bible, you see God create the heavens and the earth. And on the earth, he created a garden called Eden. And in Eden, he placed our first father and mother, Adam and Eve. And he gave Adam and Eve um, great dignity and great responsibility to really rule and reign on the behalf of God. God also gave them a command and said, look, you guys can eat from the fruit from any tree in the garden, and there would have been thousands of trees, maybe even millions of trees, but there's only one tree that you're prohibited from eating the fruit from. Many of you will know the story. The devil, Satan, the enemy of God and the enemy of humanity, infiltrated the garden and began a dialogue with the man and woman. Through this conversation, Adam and Eve, they ate of the fruit that they were forbidden to eat, and Sin entered the world. And sin is like a cancer, an aggressive cancer that spreads quickly. And so far, sin has affected and infected all things. So much so that the things that we read in the papers that grieve us, the things that we see on the news that horrify us, even very personally, things that have affected us, wounded us, sins committed against us, all a consequence of the original sin, and as a result of the original sin, the Bible talks about all humanity being born in Adam. In Adam, what does that mean? Well, it means that we we are born. Humanity is born with Adam's spiritual DNA. And Adam's spiritual DNA was that of weakness, that of futility, that of cowardice. And therefore, we're born into this. And as humanity, we we are affected by it. And it's not just affected us as in human beings, actually. It's affected, sin has affected the whole created order. And sin leads to Death. This is what it says in the Bible. In Romans 5, it says this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam. Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We don't look back and just blame Adam because we are complicit in the sin. We are sinners by nature and by choice. We, we have chosen this way. And you might say, hang on a second, Toby, you, you mentioned that we're, we're not really brave. Humanity isn't really brave. But I know people. I know people that have performed great acts of bravery. Even even at times, myself, I, I, I've performed brave acts, right? So you, you can't say that we're, we're all, none of us are, are brave. What's a good point? The Bible says that God created us, humanity, in his image. Which kind of means that human beings, all human beings, whether you're Christian or you're not a Christian, whether you're great or whether you're small, we're all image bearers of God. Which which kind of means we're kind of like him. Which means we're, we're capable, by virtue of whose image we're created in, of, of acts of bravery. So what I'm talking about is the default. I'm talking about the day-to-day. We're all born into Adam And one of the consequences, one of the most profound consequences of the fall, fear. Fear. See, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of courage. Fear is the opposite of bravery, and fear, in the beginning, was not a part of God's good creation. Fear was foreign. Now, right, we're used to fear. We're used to having locks on the door. We're used to antivirus software. We're, We're used to it. It's a part of our day to day lives, but it wasn't so in the beginning. And the reason I say it might be the most profound consequence of the fall is because the number one command by sheer number, the command that's repeated more than any other command throughout the whole Bible, do not fear. Do not fear, and variations of do not fear, fear not, do not be afraid. It's repeated through the Bible scores and scores of times. This is why I say this might be the most profound way that we fall in, because the Bible repeats it simply so many times. But by the grace of God, he has given us great examples, great men and women that, by the strength he provides, were very brave. And we do well to examine their lives and their examples. And and one such hero of the faith is one of the all-time greats. He goes by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, um, he really was uh, a preaching prodigy. Uh, His nickname uh, is the Prince of Preachers. Imagine preaching about the Prince of Preachers. (laughs) He, he was an Englishman. He was born on the 19th of June, 1834. He got saved at 15. He started preaching at 16. He started full-time ministry at 17, and by 20, he had already preached over 600 times. He, he started preaching the gospel of Jesus in his, in his church, and the attendance doubled. He then went to the New Park Street Church in London, and the attendance, when he arrived, And started preaching the gospel of Jesus was 200 within one calendar year it rocketed to 1,200 he then would move on to the Exeter Hall in London capacity 5,000 people at 20 years old Charles Spurgeon was preaching to 5,000 people every week the gospel of Jesus There'd be traffic jams, not just outside the front of the church, but throughout London, because so many people wanted to hear the gospel through the lips of Spurgeon. He then moved on to the music hall, the Royal Surrey Gardens, capacity 12,000 people. As a 22-year-old, Spurgeon was preaching to 12,000 people every week. At 23, Spurgeon preached to the largest crowd of his day, 23,000 people. Some of you will be Brighton and Hove Albion fans. The AmEx is just down the road. Capacity, 30,000 people. Spurgeon was gathering those sorts of crowds, but in the mid-1800s, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Spurgeon, the man, he was a, a Baptist, he was a Calvinist, he was a A man of depth, and by which I mean he was incredibly theological. He loved the Bible. He loved the deep things of this book. He loved to meditate on it and understand it. But he wasn't just a man with a book in his nose. He was a man of depth, but a man of breadth in that he was an evangelist. He had a unique gift from God to be able to make these tricky and difficult truths from this book accessible and understandable to the common man. Spurgeon also had a relentless work ethic. It's a famous uh, work ethic. He would typically work 18 hours a day. That's 10 hours more than I would work on Tuesday. (laughs) 18. Some say that his uh, insane work ethic um, would lead to an early death at the age of 57 years old. Spurgeon's legacy is (laughs) is amazing. Um, at his fiftieth birthday it's counted that he had started or, or was overseeing sixty six charities and institutions sixty six <laughs> and that's not all Spurgeon's collections of preachers he's got over four thousand preachers they're all published and ultimately made into like books and and they were actually distributed in newspapers all around the world but his collections of writings from his preachers <laughs> are the um there is no other author, male or female, on any topic in history, do we have more writings from than Charles Haddon Spurgeon? No one in history. He died at 57, not 107. But we have more writings from him than any other person. You could say, okay, where, where's courage coming to this, Toby? This is all very impressive, but what, what, you know, what's that got to do with me? Well. Even in fair weather, uh, Spurgeon would have had to be very brave in God to achieve all he achieved, even if the going was good all the time. But when you realize just how much Spurgeon had to suffer, you start to gain a real appreciation for how courageous in God Charles Spurgeon must have been. Because Charles Spurgeon didn't have one condition. He didn't have two conditions. He had three conditions. He had Bright's disease, he had rheumatism, and he had gout. All three inflammatory diseases. Spurgeon would often cry out all night in pain through the combination of these three diseases. Cry out to God. Roughly a third of his preaching engagements towards the end of his life, he had to miss simply because he was in too much pain to preach. That was the least of it, the least. See, Spurgeon married Susanna Thompson in uh, uh, as, as a 22-year-old. They got married earlier in the year. Um, by the end of the year, they had their first child, or they had twin boys. Uh, Susanna, after this, was unable to conceive. Around 10 years later, when Susanna was 33, um, uh, she went for a gynecological, uh, a gynecological operation. Um, we don't know why. Perhaps it was in the attempt to help her to be able to conceive again and that's unclear but what is clear is as a result of this operation Susanna was left bedridden for the rest of her life Susanna would never walk again but there's more it may come as a surprise to to you to hear that Charles Spurgeon one of the greatest preachers of all time suffered in this way but he did Charles Spurgeon suffered with severe depression severe depression he called it his worst feature when discussing his depression he writes this despondency depression is he said is not a vice excuse me is not a virtue i believe it is a vice I am heartily ashamed of myself for falling into it. But I'm sure there is no remedy for it like a holy faith in God. In another place, he writes, My spirits were sunken so low that I could weep by the hour like a child. And And yet I knew not what I wept for. It's when you start to understand just how much Spurgeon suffered, you gain a real appreciation for how brave in God he must have been to achieve all that he achieved for God and in God. But how? How? How do you you preach three, four, five times a week of the goodness of God when your wife, the love of your life, is laid at home crippled in bed? How do you cry out? Jesus heals today when the night before you cried out in unhealed, unceasing doubt. How do you gain courage from your faith when the situation before you is so bleak? Well, I tell you how not to do it. You don't look at your weaknesses. You don't focus, linger, meditate on your weaknesses. We do this, don't we? Uh, we, we, we I'm so rubbish. Oh, I, I'm so fearful. I'm always anxious or, or this problem or that problem. And, we, and the tapes in our mind go over and over and over again. And, 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 we f- and we realize that actually we are just no good in and of our own selves. And that is true and it's appropriate to confess our weaknesses and 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 know our weaknesses that's right but we don't stay there you see the result of this thinking and the result of just continually meditating on how cowardly we are and how fearful we might be is more fear more anxiety less courage more hopelessness because in and of our own selves there's there's no life here there's no there's no hope Okay, Toby, so I don't look at my weaknesses. So I look at my I look at courage, right? I, I look at courage. Let me focus on courage. Think positive thoughts. Ooh, well we don't do that either. Why? Well well courage isn't an end to itself. It never is, it never has been. It's it's not possible. No one has ever said, I want to be more courageous to be more courageous. I want to be brave for the sake of being more brave. No, 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 no. You're brave. You have something that you value, something that you love, something that you stand for, something that you believe in. And the byproduct is courage. You get courage comes for this, for the greater good, for the greater cause. So therefore, to focus on courage itself is to focus on the product It's not an end to itself. I asked at the beginning, who here would like to be more courageous? The majority of us put our hand up. What you're really saying, if you put your hand up, is not so much that you want to be more courageous, but you want to find a cause that's worthy of you, that might inspire courage. Okay, Toby. I want to find a cause. Well, I'm paralyzed by choice, right? There's so many good causes out there. Where, where, where do I begin? Okay, well, what about if I look for a cause that's anti-trafficking or, or anti-child abuse? Anti-animal abuse? Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll devote myself to one of these three causes, and I'll start to volunteer here. And maybe maybe that will inspire courage in me. Maybe that will even make me a, a good person. I'll be a good person if I do this. Well, let me say this. Those three are really important causes. Good causes. But let me ask you this. Where does trafficking come from? Where does child abuse come from? Where does animal abuse come from? Adam. Adam. As a result of the sin that entered the world, sin has spread and affected, and infected all. Things. And some of the fruit of that sin are those three horrific situations. Therefore, the greater cause than the good causes of anti trafficking, anti child abuse, anti animal abuse, the greater cause would be the cause that sets people free from the power of the sin that causes these fruits. And the greatest man would be the man with the key. This man is Jesus Christ, son of God. And this cause is helping people find their way back to God. See, when we look at Jesus, we see the most brave man there has ever been. And and not for his own sake, but for you. Jesus knew from a young age... He would go to the cross. He knew what a Roman crucifixion would entail. He knew the horrors. But he said, no, no, no. I will set my face like flint towards my goal. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He swept drops of blood for you. In the first garden, in Eden, where Adam failed the test, Jesus, the second Adam, the true and better Adam, Passed a test saying, Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus went to a mocked up trial for you. Jesus was scourged for you. You know, the scourging, the instrument that was used is an instrument called a flagrum, and the flagrum was like a heavy leather belt. Um, but it kind of was like a, a cat of nine tails in the sense that from this one belt came many belts. And on the end of those belts um, were pieces of bone and pieces of metal. And the purpose of the, the flagrum is as it was being plunged into Jesus, the, um, the pieces of bone and metal would cinch into the flesh, shredding the flesh and exposing vital organs. 39 times for you. Many people didn't survive the scourging. Jesus survived the scourging, but the Bible says that he was marred beyond human recognition. He didn't even look like a human being anymore. He then would walk up a hill And he'd be nailed to a cross and a crucifixion involved having heavy nails through your hands and nails through your feet. And he was left there to die hour after hour in excruciating, literally, pain. For you. But it wasn't just the pain of the cross. It was also the shame of the cross. Because contrary to the movies that you see, Jesus did not have a, a, a towel for modesty. Jesus was crucified naked, completely naked, publicly, in front of his own mother. And at any time, Jesus could have called down 12 legions of angels, 12 legions of angels. It says so in Matthew twenty six fifty three. He could have called down thousands and thousands and thousands of angels, and they would have come down like lightning to help him, to help God's son. They said, no, I will not. How else will the scriptures be fulfilled? How else would humanity be saved? How else will they come out of Adam? Jesus said, no, I will be a man. I will take responsibility for them. I will be brave for my people. Jesus was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Praise God for Jesus. Jesus died this death for you. He was the brave one, not you. He was the brave one for you. We deserved the punishment that he received. But instead, there was the, he became our substitute. And it's only if you put your faith in Jesus that it's active for you. You decisively put your faith in Jesus' life, in his death, in his resurrection, and the resulting spillover into your day-to-day life. If you believe him, if you trust Jesus, then it's effective for you. And he becomes your substitute. But Jesus didn't just leave us in a in a strange place with our sins being forgiven, but still continuing on for 80 years, 90 years in futility and weakness. He did the whole work. You see, what Jesus' death and his resurrection achieved for us was to be able to come out of Adam. Remember the spiritual DNA that we inherit, just simply by virtue of being born, a spiritual DNA of weakness, of futility, of cowardice, We move from being in Adam to what the Bible calls repeatedly being in Christ. And we inherit not Adam's DNA, but Christ's spiritual DNA of power, of love, of self-control. We become new creations when we become Christians. The Bible says the old has gone, the new has come. Therefore, we become children of God and we are no longer slaves to fear as a result because we are new people we are new creatures we have new spiritual dna this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15:22 for as in adam all die so also in christ shall all be made alive praise god for jesus <laughs> And the more you look at this, the more you stay on Jesus and the gospel, the more you, you gaze upon him and you linger and you abide, and the more you, you understand that you're not the hero, it's not about me, it's not about you, and oh, I'm so weak or I'm so this or I'm so that. The more we look at him and his bravery and his courage, the more brave we find we become. When we, when we stay on him... The consequence is courage. Let me put it to you like this. If you go into a swimming pool, if you stay in the waters for long enough, if you stay in the waters for long enough, consequence, it changes you. You begin to get wrinkles on your fingers. Abiding, staying, remaining in the waters causes you to change. If you abide, remain, stay in Jesus... And on the gospel, consequence, you become more courageous. You stay in the waters, consequence, change. Stay in Jesus, consequence, courage. Amongst other things. And you get transformed into his likeness increasingly from one degree of glory to another. This is good news. And and there's a response to this. There's a there is a response. I understand it doesn't depend on your courage or your lack of courage. It depends on Jesus' courage and that courage being given, imputed, given to you as a free gift through faith alone. However, if you do believe in this, well, you want to walk with God, you want to walk with Jesus and, and you want to take steps of courage, you want to trust God and take risks. And, and, and so what I would say is everyone here has a courageous next step. Jesus, is, Jesus, Jesus will be encouraging you to take your courageous next step. What's your courageous next step? For some of you here, it might be to forgive somebody. Even as I've said that there's been a face that's flashed up in your mind or a name that's flashed up in your mind, that's the person. That's the person you need to forgive. That, that, takes, that takes courage. Maybe for you it's the opposite. Maybe it's you need to, even this evening, make a phone call and, and make something right. Say sorry. That takes courage. Courage. Maybe maybe for you, it's to set up a standing order and start to give to this great mission we've discussed. Maybe for others of you, it's to increase that standing order. That would be your courageous next step. Others of you, it's a relationship. It's drawing you away from God. Deep down, deep down, you know it's not good. Your courageous next step might be to end that relationship. For others of you, it's baptism. For others of you, it's getting involved in church. Perhaps you come here or you've been coming here, but you're not involved in uh, the, the, the small group life or uh, other midweek life in the church, or you're not perhaps even serving. The courageous next step for you might be to go downstairs immediately after this meeting, speak to someone on the connect point and say, "Where can I? how can I get involved? Where can I serve? It takes courage to do that. The courageous next step for others here might be to revisit the dreams and the visions that God has given you. And to begin to do something with them. Pray about them. Tell your small group leader. Tell an elder, a leader in the church. And and just begin to pick them up again. That's a courageous next step. Or perhaps for you, it's to give up on yourself and to become a Christian. You can do that as we worship through the teams on the left and the right. Because, God, know that we won't have to have courage forever. You know, don't you, that courage, courage is passing away. Right? Courage is passing away. What do I mean? This is what it says in Revelation chapter 21, verses 4 to 5. This is speaking of God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed, and he who was seated on the throne, that's God, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Why would you need courage when the perfect has arrived. Jesus will return and he will make everything right. He will set everything straight and out of heaven would come heaven, which will be like a bride prepared for her groom on the wedding day. And those who have decisively put their faith in Jesus in this life will enter and we will enter a kingdom that is completely new. A kingdom where there is nothing to be afraid of. Meaning that While we will have love, we won't need courage. Because in the beginning, it was very good, humanity and the world was good, but in the end, it will be perfect as God makes all things new. Which means there will be no more trafficking, there will be no more child abuse, there will be no more animal abuse. There'll be no more prisons. There'll be no more hospitals. There'll be no more police stations. There'll be no more paracetamol. There'll be no more pluses. There'll be no more locks. There'll be no more antivirus software. There'll be no more stress, no more strain, no need for cash because the former things have passed away. And God makes all things new. And if that wasn't enough, It blows my mind. Jesus, for every act of courage, every last drop of courage you have displayed in him and in love, Jesus will see to it personally that you will be rewarded. He he will make it his business to reward you for every act of love even face-to-face, if the bank can join me. Therefore, can my faith make me brave? The answer is yes. So long as you understand that it's a faith in Jesus. And as you focus on Jesus and his perfect love that casts out fear, And his peace that surpasses all understanding, you begin to become increasingly more courageous. Not for your sake, but for his. And that to me is very good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. He has made all these things possible for us. Oh, Lord, we are so thankful to be the recipients and not the heroes. Lord, I just pray you'd help my friends here take the next courageous step in lieu of your great courage. And I pray, Lord, that as we gaze at you, we would indeed be transformed into your likeness and grow in courage for your great cause. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.